0: he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light, he came only as witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John testifies concerning him he cried out saying this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me out of the fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God but only but the only and only son who is himself God and in in the closest relationship with the Father He made him known. Praise be to God. Please take a seat, grab a hold of your Bibles, turn up John,
1: first chapter. We're going into this gospel. We're gonna be doing it for the foreseeable next few months. And something dawned on me this week, and it was it was quite quite an experience if I'm honest with you. Um, And it meant that I envy a number of you. (laughs) Uh, There's certain things in life you can only do once. And the greatest of those is to be struck for the very first time with the enormity of the discovery of who Jesus Christ is. And I realise that many of us in this room are at different places spiritually. Some of you guys are just looking in. Some of you have sat in a church pew for a long long time and I wonder whether you've ever discovered Jesus there you go I've just said it but there's something about discovering Jesus for the first time and uh, as I look through this text this week I found myself wanting to be able to become a Christian again (laughs) and you're like you already are one you're in a good place (sighs) but when you just encounter something of the magnitude of who he is And how he moves towards us and what he offers and how life is found in his name. It does something in your soul. So even if you are somebody who's been a Christian for a long, long time, would you join with me this morning, please? In just saying and speaking out, Lord, would you show me who you are again? Would you show me who Christ is again? Would you help me believe again? You know that there are degrees of belief, don't you? it's always more to be found and it's the route to joy hope life clarity and eternal life so let's pray together asking you to help us with that lord help us to believe that christ is who he says he is if he is the word of god if he put on flesh and if he came met with us if he is life and light if in him there is grace and truth if he is the very reason that we've got a pulse today, if he is knowable, oh Lord, bring some wonderful things together, we ask. I can't do that. This will only be by your will. Lord, would you help us to dwell together with you in this revelation of who Christ is. Oh Lord, raise up belief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I suppose my route through to that is to do a little bit of training with you. You're ready. I'm not talking about running around the block. You haven't got to do any intervals. You haven't got to lift any weights. But here's a little bit of training for you. Uh, I have conversations with people in the cafe as often as I can. You have conversations with work colleagues, family members. And usually, I, in my experience, I meet one of two responses when I try to talk to them about the realities of of faith in the living God and generally there's a bit of an, an age split so generally if somebody is um, maybe over the age of 60ish or something like that and I start to chat to them in the cafe very quickly I, I, I sort of get the hints that they want me to put the break on and the way that they want me to do, the, the, the way that they do that is they say I believe in God or I'm a Christian and you know what I don't believe them maybe that makes me sound mean I'm not sure I maintain a healthy kind of scepticism. And so the route that I will go with them is, I'm like, oh, that's absolutely great, but can I just clarify something? Um, Which God do you believe in? What is he like? What does he do? And what does he mean to you? And, of course, there's the opposite end of the spectrum, which is, uh, usually if they're under the age of 30 and have grown up in a secular culture that sort of has got the remnant of religion but doesn't know much about what belief is i'll start a i'll start a conversation with somebody and i'll try to talk about belief and who the living god is and what it means to have him in your life and 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 they'll come out with rather than i believe in god they come out with the very opposite which is i don't believe in god and, of course, it feels like that in a moment that that's just like, eh, stop, can't take that one any further. And I'm like, no, this is brilliant. So usually I'll say something along the lines of like this to them. I'll say, wow, but can I just be clear, which God is it you don't believe in? And they're like, hmm. Huh? And, of course, in that moment, there's the opportunity to explore all their misconceptions because the reality is I'm probably closer to them than they think. I probably don't believe in the God that they don't believe in either. And at the end of the day, I want to get people to who is the real God. And that is the ultimate question of existence, isn't it? Does it really matter that there is a real God who has revealed himself and made himself known? Wow. The idea that the one who owns all eternity, all of existence, can be known. I like the, um, uh, the phrase of one Iranian woman who had grown up in a, uh, in a strict Muslim background and she'd found herself, much to her own surprise discovering the New Testament and she starts working through the gospel stories and, and she's really confused because this is the idea of who God was that she'd been brought up with and she looks at the New Testament stories she looks at the gospels of who Jesus is she looks at the person of Christ and she looks at that and goes, that's different so she, call, she, she calls the Christian faith the Jesus God And he is who we are going to be talking about today, the Jesus God. And to do that, John, as the author, the evangelist, the writer of this gospel, the one who spent every day of three years looking upon the Lord Jesus Christ, in every moment being asked to make up his mind about who he is, this same John is going to start before time. Because you cannot make sense of who God is, and who Jesus is unless you start before time this section of john 's gospel is known by the theologians as the prologue if you like the introdu- introduction the bit that, that sort of opens up all the bi- the, the big themes it 's a, it's a little bit like a film trailer so that if you watch it, you sort of know what is coming up and your interest is drawn in and that 's what I want to happen here today even if you know john 's gospel really well or even if you are coming to it for the very first time. He intends to draw us in with the biggest categories and the most life-changing news. And that's the little journey that we're going on. The aim is simple. To believe in this Jesus. Are you ready to be persuaded? But more than to believe in this Jesus, to know the living God through him. That is the claim. If you want to know ultimate reality, there is only one route up that mountain And that mountain is Jesus, and he's come down, (laughs) and he can be found. And that's why we start, I suppose I'm going to split this into two two sections. The the Word is God, and the Word became flesh. So let's have a look to start off with. The Word is God. Look look down at verse 1 through to 3. In the beginning was the Word. It almost sounds like the beginning of the book of Genesis. In the beginning was... God and taking that theme John says actually in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God not like the Jehovah's Witnesses put in they chuck in for some reason which isn't in the original uh, a little word they put in the word ah, ah God nope as far as John is concerned this one Jesus is the word he is God and he was with God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of mankind this starts beyond the other gospels where they start with the birth narratives they start with the Christmas story here we start with eternity and we find that there is this one called the Word, someone before time Pre existence has existed eternally, is a presence behind all of reality, and there is plurality here. He is fully God, but not all of God. The theologians put it this way this word that is being spoken of in union without fusion, in distinction without separation. I haven't got a clue what that means, but it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Here is one who was God, but with God. How does that work? And of course, many Muslims, they really struggle with this one. So there was the Muslim having the conversation with the Christian, and he says, listen, I'm not being funny, but I'm a plain and simple kind of guy, and this is the way that I think about it. If I've got one apple, plus another apple, plus another apple, how many apples have I got? And of course, the answer came back, three apples, very mathematical, good job. So he follows up and he says, if there is God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how many gods have I got? Can't you do maths? Three! Explain that to me, says the Muslim. And the Christian replied, don't you dare try to bring God down to merely merely mathematical levels, but have you considered this? Infinity plus infinity plus infinity equals infinity. Now listen, don't get your, your your head all confused with this. Stop stop thinking mathematically. But John is declaring to us a great reality that the heart of the universe, beyond the universe, before the universe, there is a God who dwells in relationship with himself. And here The camera lens is on this one called the Word, who does everything that God does. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made or has been made. He is the creative mind, force, and expression of everything. Everything echoes him. Everything was written by him and is for him. But look at this phrase, the Word. It literally means logos. It means expression. It was very familiar in Greek terms. It was the idea of, uh, of, of, of rationality, of making sense, of expression, of um, revealing of self. And Jesus here is re- re- referred to as the word. Now, why is that important to us? It's because it tells us what, not just that there is a God, but what God is like. Do you want to know what God is like? A person's words are the clearest revelation of who they are, but more than that, they are a personal invite to interaction and relationship. In other words, God is a relational God. I was trying to think of ways to to illustrate this, and um, it it came upon me when I I was standing on my, my drive yesterday watching a rather knackered lady who would run far, far, far too much and she'd come back from her run and she was looking exhausted and she looked at her thing and she wanted to round up the figures of her her miles and although she could barely walk she says I'm just going to go and I can't run the last half mile but I'm going to go and walk it now I didn't need to hear that I could have just watched that and I would have seen something of who my wife was (laughs) because you can know people a bit by what they do you can experience people. So you guys have experienced something of my wife today. She was tinkling the ivories and we were singing along and so you can know some stuff about her. You can know that she's very determined. You can know that she's creative. But you can't know her until you've spoken with her. Do you get that? you know the Prime Minister? Oh, you know some things about the Prime Minister. You watch his actions. You hear his words. But I don't know if I said to Lucy, do you know the Prime Minister? Well, I, I've never spoken with him. And here we get the intention of the living God that he doesn't just want you to know stuff about him, He wants you, you, me, to know him. So the word has been revealed so that we can know him. You can study somebody an awful lot, know stuff about them, believe all kinds of things about them, but not know them. Some of you will be happy with that about God. Tell me some stuff about God, but I don't want to go any further. Why do you think that is? Because if you really let Him speak to you, things might happen. (laughs) Things might happen. And so we find that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. He's speaking and he's shining a light. It's funny, isn't it? There are times when I, when I go out into the, uh, when it's uh, wintertime and I go out into the uh, play area out the back of the Noah's and I go out with the light on my torch <laughs> and I get one or two responses because there's usually some sort of kerfluffle going on. And usually, I go up, and some of them, when they see me bringing the light, what do they do? Oh, thanks! They want the light around. Because they're not up to no good, they've got a little bit of a difficulty, maybe they've lost something, or something's gone wrong, or somebody's injured themselves, and I find myself being warmly welcomed with the light. And I shine my light on them and I help them and we sort it out. We have a little bit of a chat. I tell them who I am. I invite them to church. Bye bye. But others, when I go out with my light, what do you think happens? What do they do? (laughs) They scarper because they don't want the light. There's nothing wrong with the light. But the posture of what the light does in their moment, in their life, they don't want to be found by the light. And immediately we've been told something about ourselves. That God is, is coming. And he's coming with an expression of himself. To bring his grace and his mercy and his might towards us. And we will be found out by the way that we respond to this word. Of course we're people he need to know for sure. And so we're told in the next couple of verses that God is really concerned that we have a confidence in. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. We're talking about John the Baptist here. We're going to find out about him in the next couple of weeks as we move through. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. In other words, God is a God who wants you to not chuck your brains out at the door but have a confidence that there is evidence that this monumental event of God coming is real and trustworthy and as we go through this gospel we're going to see this maybe you guys have had conversations with people that are sort of religiously christianly philosophically orientated because you want them to think about jesus in that regard you feel an awful lot of weight to be the witness to who jesus is don't you will i get my words out will i be able to explain it and what we're being told here is that god has already provided the witness The witness is this word this book think to yourself if you're a believer when light came in when you got convinced when you first believed it wasn't because of the wise arguments that somebody gave it was when you opened up the word God has put something into this book to do the heavy lifting to bring people to a confidence that this message is the central message of all of humanity all of history So I want you guys to go out with a level of confidence and this is what happened as I was studying this text It was happening to me all over again. I need to show people this because this is who Jesus is and it's compelling. And there have been times in our church life when we've sort of had little campaigns where we've encouraged one another to tool up, have the boldness to let me pull out my Matthew, Mark, Luke or John let's go with John because it's the one that we're doing let's find somebody who does not know of this word, this expression of the living God who stepped into history and let's, let's just rub their noses in it I know what you say, I don't know what, what if they ask me a question, I don't know the answer to he's got it covered so each of you who's a believer here today, dare to pray this even right now, Lord give me two or three people in the next couple of months who I can sit down with who don't know who you are and just say can we just have a little look at who Jesus is together in this thing because it seems that the author John thinks and we find it at the end of the gospel these things are written that you may believe and that by believing that Jesus is the son of God have life in his name this takes the pressure off takes the pressure off just get the Bible open in front of people get this gospel because he walks off the pages of scripture into our life and he is compelling. Verse 9, the true light which, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Oh, we live in a world that is in darkness and we need this light. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, notice this, the world didn't recognize him. I'll come back to that. He came to that which was his own, but his, his own did not receive. So at the heart of the Christian faith is there an assumption that there is somebody of such a magnitude that the only right and fitting response to, to him is to recognize him for who he is and to receive him as who he is. And that's what happens when somebody becomes a Christian. We talked a little bit about baptisms earlier. The thing that we celebrate is nothing more or less than somebody has recognized Jesus and received Jesus, and their life has been changed forever. Their eternity has been changed forever. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God not of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, in that moment when you get born anew or reborn, it is a decision of the living God. Now, all of you here have gone through an experience of birth, but there isn't a single person in here that decided, you know what, I think I'm going to be born. I think I'm just going to come into the world I think I'm going to give myself life. I think, no, no, it was out of somebody else's decision. And whose decision is operative, is fundamental and ultimate here? There is a newness of life that gets offered to people like you and me and who owns it, who controls it? The living God. And he says, I want to make you my children but I'm going to do the heavy lifting and the choice is going to be from me. Now I hope that comforts some of you here today. Shall I tell you why? If you have faith and belief in Jesus today, that wasn't your idea. It's a testimony to you that God wants you to be his child and enjoy the fullness of that. I know what is our experience when we go through that process. We come to, we we suddenly believe, we recognise, we receive... We, we do that, and that is the proof that God wants you to be his child. I hope that makes some of you feel special today, because you may not have been wanted for anything else, and you may not have amounted to much. But if Christ is at work in your life, it's because he wants you. He wants you to be named as his child. That's why it's, we've got the best news for Speak You think about all the people out there who are trying to make life work and they find it difficult. They're very confused and pursuing all kinds of different things. And we have the news that there is a God who says, I want to make you my children. That will change your present and your eternity. And all you have to do is receive, recognize, believe. Will you do that? Earlier in the passage, we've skipped over it, but I must go back. He's described as the one that he is in him was life it speaks of his creative authority to rule and o- own all things which basically means that um, you belong to him I can't say it in a more agreeable way I, I, and I know when I speak to some of my friends who aren't yet believers they find this so frustrating when who on earth are you to say that I belong to God well it doesn't matter what I say he says it you are his and for his purpose Life is found in you. He made you. Every freckle on your face, every quirk of your personality, every moment of your story is wrapped up and owned by him. It's all for him. That is the magnitude of who he is. And he's done that personally and specifically. So if you try to understand your reason or meaning or your life apart from him, you're going to be in the dark. You're going to be missing the most important thing about you, which is life is found in the one who made you. But light is here. Sorry, I should just say, you do not know yourself until you know yourself in relation to him. You can't do. Some of us watch our friends and family, those of us who believe. Some of us watch our friends and family making all kinds of curious choices, mistakes, and pursuing all kinds of things. And when you try to have a reasonable discussion with them about that, that... that, it's as if you're talking a, a totally different language and why is that because you're seeing them through the lens of people who are made by God and have been made for God and they're seeing themselves through the lens of I make myself and define define who I am not according to this we're on a road to nowhere when we pursue that kind of living because in him is life and that life is the light in John's Gospel, light is sort of understanding, meaning, purpose, that th- craving that, every, that ev- every soul has to make sense of it. We ask the big question, what is the meaning of life? In fact, I, I, I was involved in a conversation that referred to the comedian Jimmy Carr. Are you familiar with him? I don't know whether he, his brand of comedy is something that you like, but I, I actually think that behind the very, very quick-witted, fast-mouthed, sometimes rude-mouthed, is somebody who's really quite deep and searching and he was asked on a podcast reasonably recently he was asked on a, a podcast what, what is the meaning of life to you and he's an, a, an avowed and committed atheist in his own mind I would question that because I think he goes back in the category of exactly what God don't you believe in and I don't think he even knows what God he doesn't believe in but we'll forget that and we won't talk about that for a moment but he said this when it came to the question of what is the meaning of life he put it down to, to five words to enjoy the passing moment to enjoy the passing moment and the person on the podcast nodded and you know why he nodded he nodded because there there was a grain of truth in it There there was something that could orientate you for this very very day but the problem with that phrase or that view of living which in many ways can lead to really positive places is to enjoy the passing moment but who gets to define what that means Who tells you what is good and right? How do you know whether you're enjoying it on the right terms or you're actually going in the wrong direction? If you do that, you may well be putting yourself in a good place or a good space, or you might not be. How do you know? Unless there is one who can bring light and say, this is what it's all about. And Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. And so he comes on a rescue mission to deliver people from confusion, sin, and hiding from the light. He comes to make them children. This is what God is like. It's all at his initiative. And I suppose what we could say is, and maybe you want to run this test by you, if you want to know whether you just know stuff about God or believe in God, or don't believe in God, you can put this test. Do you know God as Father? Not do you know that God is a Father because you've prayed the Lord's Prayer when you were little, or read it in the Bible, but do you know God as your Father because He's made you His child? If you haven't, I'm both worried for you and envious of you. I'm worried for you because it means that you've got God wrong because it's the only way to know him, according to what John says here. But I'm envious of you because you've got a wonderful discovery. And maybe even now you could be daring to pray, Lord, if you are... This Father who makes me a child, if this is something that rather I could just know about but be lit up by the fatherly love of God to me through Jesus Christ the Son, the one who is your word, the expression whom I must recognize and receive and believe in and know, please would you bring that into my life now. Would you take me on a journey of discovery? And some of you sitting in this room know that God is Father but you've it's not got much traction in your life right now. You too can be praying, as I've been re-praying through this week, Lord, would you take me on this journey to help me take this one out for a ride, that I'm a child of God, loved. This is who God is, the Jesus God. And so lastly, what I want to do, and much more quickly, my second point is if the Word is God, the Word is made flesh. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Oh, hold on, I've lost me a bit of paper. So a story is told, I just think it's so cute. <coughs> Excuse me, a story is told of a famous biologist who was desperately committed uh, to animals from a, a really young age and as a boy he was rather clumsy and at one point he kicked over an ant's nest and of course what happens when you kick over an ant's nest they all go nuts, they're running everywhere and though he was with his mum he was overcome with a measure of sadness as to what the fluffle and the confusion and the difficulty that he had um, caused and he, his heart was just crying out these poor little ants, these poor little ants now maybe you would have been utterly indifferent. Maybe some of you on your worst moments would have been stamping away. You know, that's not great. God's creatures, even though they're ants. But trying to console him, his mother said this, isn't it a shame that you can't show those ants how much you care? Now he was quite bright. He was quite astute. And all of a sudden, he realized that would, what that would mean. And he said, mum, with tears in his eyes, there's only one way I can do that. I would have to become an ant myself. And we hear that the one who threw stars into space has been shrunk down to become what? An ant. The word became flesh and lived with the ants. That's the enormity of what the Christian hope is that the transcendent almighty God shrunk down, 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 to come near, near, near. That's what the Bible claims. Now, he didn't adopt a human form. He didn't look like a human. He enfleshed himself. He became human. In other words, he had bones and he had blood vessels and he, need- he had pimples and he needed to go to the toilet and that word flesh there is incredibly it doesn't say the word became fire you would wouldn't you if you're going into enemy occupied territory you'd put on the strongest version of yourself so that you would be safe it doesn't say the word became rock immovable and untouchable he could have come like that but how did he come he came in flesh which meant that he was vulnerable, which meant that he was hurtable. It meant that he came to an enemy-occupied territory and he would be killable. What does that tell you about what he is like? The word became flesh isn't just a theological truth. It's a revelation of the character of who God really is. He moves into other people's mess and isn't scared to absorb it. He meets people where they are and he knows that it will be dangerous and he knows that it will be risky. He came at the risk of being killed knowing where the story would go. This is the God of the Bible as you hear of him like that don't you feel safe he knows where i live he knows what i face he knows what i'm going through we haven't got time to uh, to go there but in hebrews chapter 2 it talks specifically about how he came and he can now sympathize with everything that we went through, we go through because he's been there himself some of you know this problem. You go through various things in your life and having gone through those hard and difficult moments, you, you treat people around you differently because you sort of know there's a lived sense of knowledge. Some of you, when you're facing a problem or a difficulty in any domain of life, whatever it could be, whether it's finances, relational, parenting, marriage, um, some sort of mental health problem, there's a sense in which you're, you're nervous to go and talk to people about it because you're not sure whether they will understand whether they have faced it and it almost makes you feel a little bit more alone but here's jesus he put on flesh and he came and he experienced everything you may not come to me because you may feel "I, i won't understand who can you go to who should you go to who must you go to you go to christ Oh, and then come to me and tell, you about, tell me what you found. Because I want to hear about how he meets you. So perhaps you've, you're poor. He knows about that. Perhaps you're lonely. He knows about that. Perhaps you're in fear. He knows about that. Perhaps you've been betrayed. He knows about that. Perhaps you're in physical pain. He knows about that. And he came to meet you and me where we are and absorb the worst of this brokenness, the curse of the world, so that those curses we experience won't be our ultimate destination the word became flesh it goes on from there the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us some of you have got a different version of the bible the, the more original not, not, it hasn't got the, uh, sorry more literal it hasn't got the word dwelling there it's got the word what it's an old word out of the, uh, out of the old testament some of the older versions they say The word became flesh and tabernacled. Tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. Fancy word for tent. Because back in the day in the Old Testament when Moses was there, Moses had a desire to connect with the living God, but God is glorious and great and there is a huge gap between and so the Lord says I'm sorry I can't meet with you properly because basically you would be obliterated but what I'm going to give you instructions to set up a tabernacle a grand tent and I will be present there and there will be a means of sacrifice so that your sins that have cut you off will no longer cut you off because they've been dealt with so that you can uh, dwell with one who is glorious and you will see something of me, but it will have to be veiled because I'm just too darn dangerous and you guys are too darn guilty. And now we have the news that having seen that pattern, a tent full of the presence of God, he is that in the midst of his people and they've seen his glory. Look at that. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Back in the Old Testament, the glory was seen in the thundering, uh, lightning storm clouds around Mount Sinai or the shaking of the earth, something of the greatness, the weightiness of God. But how now is it seen? If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to see what real glory is, grace and truth we have experienced walking with Jesus the power, the magnitude of the simplicity of his piercing truth and his relentless grace. Now you think about that for a moment. It's a normal human being uh, saying that. Now, you could come on holiday through the long journey with me to Spain and spend some time with us. At the end of that, what would you say of Steve? having dwelt in our little property down there and watched me in the mornings and watched me when the kids are kicking off and watched what I give my attention to and watched me how I respond to problems. What would you be your evaluation of Stevie? Yeah. Just ask my wife. Yeah, high maintenance. Difficult. What are the words that are used to describe three years of watching everything Jesus said and did? What does the witness say? The only words that describe him are grace and truth in every moment. Anybody here ever been judgmental or critical of anybody? Anybody here ever told a lie? So you're the opposite of grace and you're the opposite of truth. If Jesus was here he would have stood out like a sore thumb he would have been on a totally different level made of different stuff and they testify to it because they want you to know that he is different and god is like this and he's come to dwell with us john testified concerning this he cried out saying this is the one i spoke about and i said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me speaking of his pre-existent nature out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace in other words the old testament tabernacle was a grace it was a way to connect to god but it was incomplete now that grace has been superseded by the real deal the thing it was pointing to has arrived jesus has landed on planet earth and the only word is grace For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with him, in the ESV it says, who is at the Father's side in total union, has made him known. And there is the direction of travel, for the adventure of every single life. This God is not just that you can know stuff about him. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He wants you to recognize him, to receive him, to enjoy his grace and truth. He wants you to believe. It means that you cannot make too much of Jesus. We're very good at making too little of him, but it's impossible To make too much of him. For those of you who don't yet know him, look into this gospel. Yeah, we're going to be working it through it over the next few months, but listen, don't wait. These are two bigger things. If he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, then you need to know about that right now. So get your John's Gospel open and dig in and ask your questions and say, is this the evidence and the testimony that I need? Can it be that there is somebody who wants to be my heavenly father? I can be a child of God and secure forever. Cry out to him and say, Lord, if there's more for me to know, I want to know it if you're offering it. And I don't mind coming out of my darkness. I'll need help. But bring me out of the darkness into the light that I may know you. And for us, what does it mean? It means for those of us who believe. What are we going to want to do with this? We're going to want to let the light shine. We're going to want to put all of our hope in who he is. We're going to want to become Christians again every single day. We're going to sing in Christ alone. Let's do that now.